1: Honlessness, Having funlessness, Having funlessness, Having funlessness with Jen Kirkman.
0: Having funlessness with Jen Kirkman. This episode is called Forties. Not the beer that you hold in your hand that's giant, but like the age, 40s. Really quick before we start this episode, I am on tour. You can come see me. Oh my God, I was just in Salt Lake City and St. Louis by the time this lands. The next cities I'm in, I'm in Kansas City tonight, Omaha, Nebraska tomorrow night, and then... Later in the month, Los Angeles. And then coming up this summer, Minneapolis, Nashville, Birmingham, Alabama, Athens, Georgia, Brooklyn, and Boston. Go to JenKirkman.com. for tickets. They are all on sale right now. All new material you haven't seen it on Netflix. And I am selling and signing copies of my books after each and every show. So. I was thinking this week. I'm in my 40s. I talk about it a lot. And. What I wanted to get to in this episode was I ran into someone that was an asshole to me when we were in our 20s. Uh, He didn't remember me, but I remembered him. And who we are now. And I was having dinner with my friend Michael last week. And I said, we got to talk about this being 40s stuff on my podcast. So I invited him. He'll be coming in later. So what people don't realize is that. I'll, I'll just tell my story that happened, and then then I'll get into that. So I'm backstage at a comedy club uh, a couple of weeks ago, and this guy walks in. Now, we're not on the same show. There's two different rooms in this comedy club, and I'm, I'm about to go and do this um, podcast benefit, and this guy comes in and says, sits next to me. He's going to do just regular stand-up. Now, I had met this. Now, the reason I'm not saying his name is because he's a lovely person, and this literally has nothing to do with him. It's a story about how we change so much that the guy I was talking to backstage, in many ways, is not the same guy I'd met 20 years ago. So in a weird way, I'm talking to you about a a ghost, (laughs) a person that just doesn't exist anymore because now they're in their form here in a new way. And how if you really start doing the work, getting older can actually make you get younger. I have never felt younger in my life. And I think that is the bitter sweetness of getting older is that it doesn't seem fair. You're like, oh, but now I have neck arthritis and I have some gray pubic hair. That's not a thing anyone ever wants to deal with. I've talked about it in my Netflix special. And I mean, it seems funny, haha, but it's a real reality when you think of that that's difficult to look at. I mean, it really is not anything but a sign that your life is half over. And when you feel like you're just starting to learn who you are and how to enjoy things, it feels very sad. Then you might not have this time left. Now, I might have 45, 50 years left, but not in the same body I had in, in my 20s. And I'm not talking, you know, um. In a shallow way like I wasn't I'm not gonna be as hot I mean there's physical limitations there can be menopause you know there can be all different kinds of things I completely see a world where I get like the huge fame that I never have exactly when I'm in menopause I actually know that that's gonna happen because the universe wants me to travel while sweating I know it I just have a feeling so I really do I really think all of a sudden I'm gonna have a huge road career when I'm 51, 52, and I'll be sweating and nauseous and flying everywhere. And like, why the fuck didn't this happen when I was 25 and I had the energy? Because that's life. Because I wouldn't have had the mental capacity to do it correctly or enjoy it. So I feel like that's what's not talked about. People are so quick to jump in and go, no, 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 no but you, but you, but you, but you look young, but either, you, it doesn't matter. That's what's even double confusing is that no one will take you seriously about how old you are and how you feel because they don't want to hear it or they don't understand it. You, It really becomes such a blessing to have friends your own age that you can talk to about this stuff. So anyway, where I get to see it in other people is if I haven't seen someone in many years. Like, I've been judging this guy for who he was in his 20s for two decades. I haven't been overly obsessing about it, but I, when he comes to mind, I go, oh, what an asshole. And I realized, well, he was in his twenties That If I met someone in their 20s now who was an asshole, I might not even just think they're an asshole. I might think, oh, that's your 20s for you. And I'm not giving that guy the same courtesy. And so it it an interesting thing happened. So he he so I'm not saying his name because the story is not about him. It makes it no more interesting if you know who it is. So he sits next to me backstage and he says, Hi introduces himself. I say I'm Jen, and he has no idea that we've met. And I'm wearing these crazy bell-bottoms, and I think he probably thinks I'm younger than I am because, again, if you run into a comedian you've never met, you probably assume they're just starting out, which implies young, and I look younger, blah, blah, blah. And he says, you know, I love bell-bottoms, but that's because when I was a kid, that's what we wore. I said, I'm your age. Me too. He was like, oh, okay. So we're talking. And he's married. He's not hitting on me. He's actually treating me like I'm a person and like I'm a comedian, even though he doesn't know who I am. So obviously he doesn't know my work. And he's like, you know, again, he's no, I'm not like, this was my favorite interaction on planet earth. I was interested in having it because I was so taken aback. If I didn't know him at all, I'd be like, can you stop talking? I don't want to help you with your bit or hear your bit or whatever. But I was intrigued. And immediately stopped doing what I was doing so that I could observe this person in front of me that I hadn't seen in forever. So I'll tell you what this person did 20 years ago. So 20 years ago, I'm living in New York City. I'm pretty new to town. I've been doing comedy a year in Boston and now maybe a year in New York. I'm good. I have promise. But, man, am I just a little baby deer teetering, tottering on her legs, learning how to be a person and how to be a comedian. And I don't have that confidence that inspires people to relax when they're watching you. So I'm better suited for what they call the alternative comedy rooms. Luna Lounge in New York City was a big one. You had your Janine Garofalo's, your Mark Maron's. And then the newer people were better there because it's like, it's okay to be new. We're all supporting you. You don't want to be new at a comedy club where it's like, Hey, two drink minimum. I'm Joey from Queens. I'm the host. You know, my wife, she sucks. I wish she sucked my dick. Hey, I just made that up. Pretty good joke. And then, you know, the new person comes on like, hi, hi, I'm, um, I'm, a, uh, I'm a, I am um, i am a, uh, not want to hear about feminism. You know, you can't, that's not going to go to comic club. Now there is sexism, blah, 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 blah. So the young men starting out in comedy who were new and looked like baby deers, like, of course, they still got spots once in a while at comedy clubs. The women didn't. It'd be like, oh, you're not funny. Not like, oh, well, you're not funny because you're young, but you have potential. It was just like, ugh, you're not funny. Women are funny. The, the 90s people was great for alternative comedy and guys my age who ran rooms still bad for comedy clubs still the sexist bookers ran everything I know it's like pretty much mostly that way today now but it was even worse back then so no new women were getting spots at comedy clubs. so this guy John he was a comedy booker he booked this club in Long Island called governors if you watch Jerry Seinfeld's movie comedian it's the one club he, you know, Jerry Seinfeld is very into we never blame the audience. It's always our fault. Any good comic should be able to get any audience to listen after he performs at Governor's. And this is after the height of his fame. He's like this. It's like monkeys throwing shit. Like this. These people are horrible. So that's where I went. So the booker for Governor's on Long Island would come to the alternative rooms. He would see us young kids and he would grab a few of us. I mean, not like kidnap us. He would come approach a few of us. And say, do you want some stage time at Governors? And they would pay, pay cash, like 50 bucks. And, you know, you can work out actually how to be a comic so you don't get stuck just performing for these alternative rooms. And the reason you don't want to, in quotes, get stuck doing that back then was really the only way. To be a successful working comic was to know how to play comedy clubs and then play to audiences on late night TV. There wasn't a world where you could be a storyteller or you could do this. It wasn't designed yet. People were designing it back then, but I didn't quite have anywhere to go with it. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to to work a real club. Cut to. I get to Governors. It's horrible. I, I mean... There was a birthday cake one night that was being brought out. So I'm on stage. I'm like, hey, everyone. So I live in Brooklyn. Like, blah, 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 blah. and then it's like, happy birthday. And I'm like, is this fucking serious? And then I don't know what's happening. And this waitress is coming out. The whole table starts singing. Then the whole crowd starts singing. And I'm still talking. And then she brings out this cake and it's just two boobs, like boobs, women's breasts. Like, that's the cake with a real bra around it. It's a boob cake. And The guys and everyone at the table, like, "Ah, ah-ha-ha. Like, that's the funniest thing they've ever seen. I can't compete with that. And I'm up on stage like, so here's some stories about my real life. That's the club. There was no, you know, maybe we shouldn't bring out a boob cake during a performance. And so uh, I'm there doing my shtick. And this comic that I met, again, um, is there. And he's got a real you know, slick act and he kills and everyone's loving what he's doing. And he's going to chip on his shoulder towards me for, I know, I don't know why. I'm not funny. I'm younger. I'm just starting out. I don't, he didn't seem to have any empathy for my position. And he was in the car with us as we were driving home. And he said, the first words he said to me were, where do you go up in the city? Meaning New York city. And I went, "Oh, um, the alternative rooms? And he goes, oh, alternative comedy. Alternative to what? Jokes? That was like the thing that like the hardcore guys used to say. And I was like, um. And he went on and on about those alternative comics. They think they're better than everyone. Blah, blah, blah. Well, they're going to not be able to really work someday. Come on in. This, They're not going to be able to work someday. Blah, blah, blah. What? Come on in. This is this is having fun, listeners. What uh, were you saying? Oh, go pee, go pee, and then come back. Alright, great. Thank you, Michael. A friend brings you a coffee, people. So should he sit there? Oh, they're all on. Oh, perfect. Amazing. Yeah, I'm if he ends up hearing some of my story, that, that would even be perfect. So that's great. Okay, good. Perfect. Okay, great. So um what was I saying oh so he's alternative to what jokes so he's going on this alternative comedy these people blah 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 now I just think he's being a jerk he's being judgmental for no reason and I'm also feeling bad and I'm thinking well god maybe he's right and you know I'm just in this foolish little scene and it's not going to go anywhere and you know perfect example was I couldn't hold my own on stage and he came out and crushed it and and I just felt really bad. But I thought, God, he's really mean, though. He doesn't seem to want to help or, you know, and I, I will give you my perspective on why when we cut to the future. So I worked with him a few more times. He was never very nice. He he didn't talk to me backstage. He didn't treat me like I was a person. And he always had this chip on his shoulder. And he, he acted as though my new material that was just storytelling and sort of rambling was somehow... A personal affront to him like like somehow I was trying to you know buck some system that that he was part of like it like I was judging him so I've always been like that guy's kind of a dick so oh my god so before I start your interview this is real loosey-goosey you can sit at any of the mics they're all on you can move that stuff if you want to sit there but you might want to hear the end of this story because it might help inform some of the stuff we talk about
1: am I too far away from here no
0: that sounds great okay All right, we'll give you a proper intro in a minute Great! What a Lucy Goose episode I came in at a
1: really juicy time
0: You're calling someone a dick Oh yeah, so I was telling this story about this um, Comedian I met 20 years ago And this story is not about comedy Because I'm a comedian, like it happens to be part of Turning 40 and all this He was a real dick 20 years ago, really condescending Very mean to me And then I re-met him two weeks ago And he doesn't have any memory That we met And he was a totally different person because now he's in his 40s so anyway I'll just finish the story real quick and then bring you it so so we're backstage at the club now in real time 2019 and he's like I I just gotta go um work work a bit up a a thing he's like now you're doing that um I was doing my friend Jimmy Pardo's podcast-a-thon which is a a 12-hour podcast episode that raises money for charity and everyone's doing a segment but they're not doing Stand up comedy. So he said, I, I tried to get on the show and I, I couldn't. Ass- oh, it's a very specific thing. It's a um, podcast. You're not doing stand up on it. It's it's bits. It's not personal that they told you you couldn't do it. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I get that. He goes, yeah, so I just got to work out some new stuff. So I'm going to go to the uh, smaller room and work it out. And and um, he's like, this is my set list. If it makes any sense to you, you know, kind of saying like, yeah, it probably does make sense to you other comedian and he again he did not remember me there's no reason he should have thought I was a comedian and yet for some reason was treating me like I was one this time as opposed to the other times in life when we have met and I looked at his set list and it was like dad this that and I was like oh I get it already like I'm I'm a comedian I get your set it's about like therapy your dad whatever so he starts telling me a little bit about his life and he's like why do you relate do you go to therapy do you do this so I'm like oh yeah, yeah yeah therapy this blah blah real brief you know quick conversation and he says you know what you need to do he said this is what i'm learning to do he goes now my wife is a wonderful person she's chill she's from the west coast i don't know what she likes about me i'm a mess i'm from the east coast i judge everything i think everyone's always judging me i he's like but as i get into my 40s it's really getting better like the thoughts are still there But I can change them And so he's like I think I'm a different person She says I'm a different person He's like I still feel like the same maniac And I want to say to him so badly You are different You're wonderful I met you 20 years ago You're a fucking asshole But I didn't Because it was just (laughs) I couldn't do it I did say to him You know we have met 20 years ago We both worked Governor's Comedy Club And he was like Oh and I go You wouldn't remember me Whatever And there was something About his face That changed When I said that Then he went, I think he realized, oh, she met version 2.0 of me, and now I'm on 3.0 or 4.0, I guess, because you're in your 40s. So he was telling me this thing he does where he... He doesn't want his dad's voice in his head anymore saying you're not good enough, you're a loser. So now he doesn't respond back to the voice in his head as though he's a little kid. He talks to his dad in his mind and calls him by his first name and says, "You know listen, Charles, um, that's not how we talk to each other. And I said, oh, that's so great. I said, no, I don't have those kind of parents, so I didn't what what you're saying to do is not something I need to do, but that's great. We had a nice talk. He was a wonderful person. But when I was talking to him, when I when I met him in his 20s, he looked so old. And we were the same age. He had a Frank Sinatra at the end of the night I'm tired vibe. And he was angry. And I think he was angry at these alternative comics because he was scared. Because he didn't understand what this new world of comedy was where people were being open and honest about their feelings. And to some people that just does come naturally. And I think other people think if you're doing that you're saying you're better than the old guard and the way that we do things. And those people are like no, no I just like, literally don't know how to do anything else. So... There was a defensiveness to him. I think he felt that he didn't fit in with the alternative people. So he was doubling down on his persona. And it was really just immaturity. But it came off to me because it was so black and white. In my 20s, that's what maturity was to me. Black and white. Here's who I am. I don't stray from this. Bah, bah, bah. I'm hard. Like, okay, great. And now when I was talking to him, he seemed younger. His skin looked better. Like there was a brightness to it. Um, he seemed vulnerable. He was like a little kid in front of me, but not a helpless little kid. And teenage him was probably the one in front of me. You know, I mean, he was in his 20s, but like inner soul of a teenager was the one in front of me in his 20s. But in his 40s, it's like we get younger as we get older because I think a lot of the pretense drops and we're more vulnerable and we're like, hey, I can just be who I am. And I think it's so appealing, which is I think why younger people are drawn to us for guidance, I'm talking like people in their 20s or something, because there seems to be this, whether it's peace or whatever. But anyway, when he left the room and got on stage, I just thought, what a beautiful, sweet soul I just encountered. And it is a, our cells change every five years or something like that. This is a different, literally same bones, but every, everything else pretty much different person. And I don't think I would have understood when I was younger that you can change for the better as you get older I thought however you felt life would be a continuation of feeling that way for better or for worse and so if you got lucky in your 20s and you got to be someone who had it all figured out and felt good then you just continue that way your whole life and then if you didn't well you were fucked I just for some reason I had this backwards vision that older people knew less and that there's no fucking way they could have anything figured out. Um, and I don't want to hear what they say because if they dare tell me it's not perfect, then I know they failed. Instead of, no, I there isn't a perfect, there isn't a moment where you go, I figured it out. I am wrong about that. And what they realize, the older people, is they've accepted it, realized it, and realized, oh, thank God in a way that there can be so many different things. So that brings me to my guest today. Los Angeles. Oh my God, you guys. It's going to be the last one for a while, I think. Uh, But Tuesday, May 28th, 7.30 p.m. at the Hollywood Improv Lab, I am doing another one of my Jen Kirkman Telling Stories shows. Now, this place only holds about 50 to 60 people. You don't have to get tickets in advance. We will fit you in the night of. Do not worry about it, even if it says sold out on the website, which I don't think it's going to, but even if it did, come anyway. But I'd love to know how many people are coming, so if you can get tickets in advance, I'd love to see those numbers go up. It's only 15 bucks. It's from 7.30 to 9 p.m. There's a full bar, there's food. Hollywood Improv Lab, cute little cabaret space next to the Hollywood Improv. This month is going to be so special. We have our friend Tammy who's back on the show. She was uh, on the podcast. She was on a They Seem Fun a couple years ago. She's telling a new story about being a in a kind of a midlife thing. My dear friend Julia Sharp, who wrote an amazing new book that's out called So You're Going Bald, and he just had a pilot uh, get picked up to series. Uh, as a writer, he's a brilliant writer He's going to be reading something from his new book Which is so funny Men, have you gone bald, are you going bald This is a really funny book for you And it's also just about insecurity And it's it's so genius Those are my two of my oldest friends from my comedy days in New York We have all not been on stage together since 1999 20 fucking years And then I'm telling a brand new story
1: <coughs>
0: I won't tell you what it's about yet so it's just going to be one of the most special things. And I think next month, I might turn into a live podcast taping. So this is really probably going to be one of the last story shows um, for a little bit. I might do something different uh, with that show in the future. So come down. I want this one to sell out. And so far, it hasn't been. And I'm like, this is so unfortunate because it's the best one yet. So get tickets right now. JenKirkman.com right on the homepage. Um, You can find the link or if you want to do the extra effort and click the tour button You click that tour button, but we'd love to see you. It's going to be so much damn fun Speaking of fun, oh my god Do we love this? Do we love this lounge music in the background? Do you need something new to listen to? Besides my voice Well, why don't you Check out Heads Will Roll. It's an Audible original from Saturday Night Live star Kate McKinnon and her co-creator, co-star, and real-life sister, Emily Lynn. It's produced by Broadway Video. This is not an audiobook. It's a 10-episode star-studded audio comedy that features performances from Meryl Streep, Tim Gunn, Peter Dinklage, Queer Eyes, Fab Five, and so many more. Queen Morchuona of the Night Realm, played by Kate McKinnon, and her ditzy raven minion, Jojo, receive a prophecy about a peasant uprising. Together they must journey to find the shard of acquiescence, which will put down the rebellion and save the throne. Will their friendship survive sensitive generals, chatty sex slaves, princes with bird fetishes, and the notion of democracy? The raunchy satire also includes the wicked talents of Andrea Martin, Carol Kane, Audra McDonald, AD Bryant, Alex Moffat, Heidi Gardner, Chris Red, Steve Higgins, Bob the Drag Queen, so much more. Hold on to your head and let the bad times roll. Again, it's a new Audible original. Heads will roll. Created by Kate McKinnon. It is a scripted audio com- comedy. It's like TV for your ears. It's only available on Audible. And you can listen with a 30-day free trial. Just go to audible.com. A-U-D-I-B-L-E audible.com slash funheads. Is that the best code ever? Funheads. F-U-N-H-E-A-D-S. Go to audible.com slash funheads or even easier text, text that code to 500 audible.com slash funheads. And you're going to be able to get a 30 day free trial with audible and you can listen to this and laugh your head off. Oh, folks, are you tired of listening? Are you like, I want to talk? Are you just dealing with a life challenge? Are you like, oh, my God, it's already, it's already May. Summer's coming. Everyone's all excited for summer. I'm not. Why aren't I excited? Am I depressed? Am I stressed? Am I just, blah. Do I just need to sort some things out? And my friends cannot listen to this once again over brunch. Do I need a professional who will just say, look it. You do this, you do that, you do this. Here's how we rectify that. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Talkspace, guys. Talkspace. Right now, you're going to get your first week for free. That is a free therapy session. The world needs that. Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code JEN to get your first week free. So just go to Talkspace.com and then at checkout, use JEN, code JEN, to get your first week free. We all need someone to talk to, a person who can support us through rough patches or just the everyday ups and downs of life. It's therapy for how we live today, it's mobile, it's available when you need it, it's affordable. It makes taking care of your mental health so much easier. You're going to get matched with one of 4,000 therapists the very same day. And once you have your therapist, you can send them unlimited text, audio, picture, or video messages anywhere, anytime. More than 1 million people are using Talkspace and feeling happier. You are not alone. Finding the right therapist does not have to be stressful. They have a unique matching process that takes all of your preferences into account. To find someone who matches and suits your needs, if for some reason it doesn't work out, no problem. At no extra cost, you can change therapists at any time. You don't even have to wait for your next appointment to talk about what's on your mind. Again, with Talkspace, you can send unlimited messages to your dedicated therapist from the privacy of your device. And if you really need extra, extra support, you can schedule a live video session. So again, Talkspace.com, use code JEN for the first week for free. One month of therapy on Talkspace costs about the same amount as one single face-to-face session. Again, Talkspace.com, code JEN for your first week free. Hello. Michael McMillan, actor, writer, just if you guys um, enjoyed Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, you just wrapped. We just
1: wrapped What was your
0: character's name? Do you Tim. know I really don't know anyone's Tim. name? Tim. Tim.
1: I also love that you recently realized that I was like, you didn't recognize me in one of the episodes after <laughs> you watched the whole thing. I posted a picture of, we did like a hair, so Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, for those of you who don't know, it's an um, uh, co- uh, hour-long comedy that aired on The CW. Most people found it, find it on Netflix, uh, cr- uh, created by Rachel Bloom and Aline Brosh McKenna. Um, Aline Brosh McKenna was the, uh, writer of uh, The Devil Wears Prada. Maybe she directed it as well. Oh, I I just referenced that that. in my last episode. There you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, so every episode has, uh, original, it's not like Glee. It has songs, but they're all original. And they're good. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, they are, I took credit for it. Thank you. Um, they're great. And one of those songs was about, uh, was a hair metal 80s hair metal band parody called Man Nap and I had recently posted a picture that our props guy had put on Instagram of me in this like awesome 80s hair band outfit and you were like what is this for and I was like you it's from Crazy X you've been texting me for the past month about watching the show you probably saw this episode like 2 weeks ago
0: and, and you're I like, did,
1: and you were like, "Oh, I didn't even think that the people who were singing the songs might be the characters in the
0: show." <laughs> I mean, just in that one right, particular yeah, yeah. song, it cuts,
1: it cuts away to like a big, big time, like you yeah. know, '80s rock concert kind of stage. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, this means nothing to anybody. But, uh, but no, it's a
0: perfect example of how clueless I am. And you were you you were pastor something, Ted.
1: Reverend. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, In True Blood. Uh, no, what was his Reverend name? Reverend Steve Newland. Oh, that's right, Steve Newland. Uh, but yeah, but Ted Ted works too. Um <laughs> I'll take it.
0: Is this a gr- the best intro you've ever it's had? It's been pretty
1: solid, I got to say so far. Oh,
0: and also, you guys know him as a Bigfoot Collectors Club, Michael McMillan from big- like yeah, you're my such podcast. a part of you're yeah, such a part of this podcast. You're,
1: you're a big part of our podcast. Oh
0: my god, because Michael is a friend that I went to when I had the ghost.
1: Yes. Which
0: by the way I have never told the story because I can't. One day. One day I will tell them that I found out what happened. You didn't
1: though. I I I, I argue that you did not. I think the mystery still remains. Well, I think that there were some uh, complications put into the mystery of it all.
0: True that. Yes. That oh, it's such a one good day,
1: story. One day, give it some time. There's a it's like one of those like if there's a really good book, like this like the first part of it is like you're shining. Yeah. And then like <laughs> 20 years from now, you'll write your doctor's sleep. Which okay. Will be, which will be the sequel to the thing.
0: I like that you did compare it to like a yeah. horror movie because it was a horror situation so. that happened yeah yeah um, um and i'm not being the ghost okay so we, we'll am i allowed that.
1: to talk about things that you just brought up at the end of that story
0: yeah so the reason i'm just before we go further the reason i'm having you in today because i don't often have guests but if it makes sense to the episode like when i interviewed my mom um which was
1: great by the way i listened to that uh, oh, and i love that she thought she was being ne- uh, what did she say snobbish when she was like the most delightful charming mom
0: that's the 50s for you Um, she, we were having dinner the other night and we were talking about being in our 40s and how, I don't know, it's like hard to explain that, like, even in our moments of failure and terrifyingness, we, we have this sense of, yeah, I guess that's part of the journey. Like, we're not as, we're scared, but we're like, we've settled into a certain kind of acceptance and... There's, I think there's things we, anyway, but I wanted to ask you questions about being in your 40s, okay, but great. comment away. You no, know,
1: I was just, uh, a couple things struck me about what you were talking about with this guy. Uh, one, I was curious why he was in his 20s and feeling like I don't get these new alt co- comedians.
0: Well, I think weren't you all in your 20s? Yeah, but he wasn't in that world. Oh, okay. So it was like, it, it and a lot of them were older too I, yeah it doesn't make any sense but he had that that's what I mean he was yeah. like a 20 something posturing as this old Sinatra cigar smoking kind of like hey I'm old school here right you know that kind of thing and it was like and I bought it because I was too young to to notice what um oh what's the when you're not bravado but like you're you're
1: when someone's, like, putting on uh, yes. putting on airs?
0: I was too young to realize that...
1: Someone's, like, wearing a mask.
0: Someone's wearing a mask. I thought everyone was exactly who they said they were and that they could never be coming from a place of insecurity unless they were literally going, I'm coming from a place of insecurity. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think that you're so blinded in your 20s by the fact that you are now officially an adult technically that you are I mean it's 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 so crazy the older I get to think that like really 18 is legal adult 18 I know 18 you know because my the thing that I'll tell you what will blow your mind is and I'm sure your listeners have kids that are grown my niece is turning 20 this month and she's now the age that I was when she was born. And of course, like, I still see her at times in my mind as like, you know, the little my little niece, my little three year old niece. And that's just like not. I mean, she's just as grown up as I was when when she was born, which is to say not at all. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. like it, like you are still such a teenager, I think well into your 20s that yes because you're just you're just you are going oh gosh this is what adulthood is i'm a grown-up and so much of it is just living that first few years without with like really excited by the idea that like you can do whatever the fuck you want you really can you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like you don't have you know especially if you are someone who's financially independent for the most part it's like hey i'm not leaning on anybody here except except myself and I think people confuse like freedom, that ultimate freedom that you've been craving your entire like teenage years yeah. for like actually being a grown up. Because I was a, I, 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 I for the most part I had my shit together in my 20s. But, you know, I felt like I really had a quarter life crisis and just in terms of like who am I and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really start to kind of settle in. To who I am, or start to begin that process until my late twenties, at least. I think that mm. I think that you got to go through age twenty six before you start to. It's almost like you're fucking high out of your mind until that's you're like twenty six or twenty seven, and then you start to go, you start to come down. And you're like, whoa, what the fuck is going on? I think here? that's such
0: a great example, and especially because high out of your mind could mean
1: also Literally. like
0: miserable yeah. too. Like, well, you know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of people who are like. Oh my god, I'm twenty five and I don't have it figured out. Yes. And I'm like, wait, who told you you're you supposed to have it figured out? I dunno if different generations are saying different things to people in their twenties. Because I was told, no, those are your fuck up years. That's why turning thirty used right. to be so scary. Right. Because we used to think we have to have it figured out by then. Right. And and this, <laughs> I keep moving it. Now no, I'm like no, no. fifty. <laughs> yeah, 50. fifty, of course. Well, I think
1: the the other thing that I was that struck me when you were talking about being like, Oh, you f- you feeling like if you hit 25 that's the way it was going to be for the rest of your life to me that actually sounds like a symptom of depression because when i'm depressed or it's the idea of like it's never going to change yeah like the way it is now is the way it's always going to be yeah and um and i think that a lot of people go plus there's like huge hormonal changes really happening in your early 20s still so i think people are going
0: so you're saying you weren't even just saying that like me as a person who has depression or has had it, or I don't even know anymore. I mean, it, <laughs> that it was leaking out, or that being in your twenties can be a natural state. I of think a little, a little of
1: column A, a little of column B. Yeah, you know. But I think that maybe I do think that a little of like that, like, gosh, I guess it's just this is the way it's going to be. Is yeah. a pretty that is a symptom of depression, whether that's the whether you're depressed while you're experiencing that or not. Um, You know, who knows? But uh, but I would I would I would say if if you're in your 20s and you're listening to that or if you're in your 30s or 40s even or 50s or um, and you're going, gosh, this is the way it's going to be. Like, listen to that and go, wait, where is that coming from? Because, yeah, that's usually a sign to me. And I'm speaking personally that like, fuck, I might be in a little bit of a rut.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I just did an episode where somebody said they needed to recharge. And they were like, "I already meditate. I already go to therapy. I'm just in a slump." And I'm like, "Oh, like, but what? How? I mean, I don't know to repeat what I just didn't last episode. But like, what? Okay, but what? What? Maybe the way you're doing that is not working for you. You know, like the the thing. I, I'll give you a perfect example of like, I really thought, uh, because I went over something once in therapy in my early 30s that that aspect of my life was." cleared up, right? like, you know, whatever, some kind yeah. of, and then you checked comes, it off.
1: I figured that out. Yeah. I checked it off the list and it's like, no, 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 It you, keeps coming back. It does. It constantly, because if you don't break the pattern of the, of your, of the way, like this comic that you were talking yeah. about, if you don't break the pattern of the way you were raised either, you know, dysfunctionally in this case, uh, which a lot of us were, most of us, I would argue, then you, you might be aware of like, oh, yeah, I get this negativity from that because my dad said this, my mom didn't do this or whatever. But until you actually start to break that wheel and practice something new, mm-hmm. you can know it all the live long day, yeah. but it's still going to have a hold on you. And that's tough. I, I think that heading into my 40s and after 10 years of therapy, I am finally getting to a place where... I'm learning that and realizing yeah, yeah. that. And I do think that comes Wait, okay. what do you mean
0: heading into your forties?
1: Well, I'm forty. So I'm here, but I'm I'm not like,
0: you know, I'm I still heard. a newbie. I heard did you guys hear that?
1: I'm sixty I'm six months into forty. So he's trying to se- separate himself from people in the I'm 40s. not. I'm just saying I'm I'm beginning the decade.
0: As a twenty five year old, he just winked and then wrote, <laughs> I'm an actor on a piece of paper and held it up.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> God, I mean, who cares anymore? And
0: Oh, I know. That's... Isn't it great that people can, like, be ugly now? Yeah. And old? <laughs> great.
1: I mean, that's the way it was in the 70s.
0: Yeah, yeah. God, have you
1: watched a TV show from, like, earlier than 19— 19... I'll—fuck it. I'll say any show before 2002, there's old people. There's, like, people that don't— There was a point in yeah. which, like— People who looked like soap operas were only on soap yes. operas. Or like teen dramas. Yes. And everyone else kind of looked like a real person on TV.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: the like Joey was the hot one on Friends. I know, and he's
0: like not really And Rachel
1: Anderson. They're, they're, I would argue that all of them are character actors. You know oh, what that's I mean? a good
0: point. Oh, well, you know, I always say this um, with a friend of mine. Go back and watch an episode of Three's Company where they're building up the hot woman that's about to come in, like, Larry's in love. And she's got, like, yellow teeth and <laughs> frizzy hair. And she's wearing, yeah. like, a pussy bow blouse that's up to her neck. Like, it's amazing. I mean, I wish. Let's go back to that.
1: Like, there's this great show, uh, The the um, Night Stalker, Kolchak. And it's, like, Kojak, no, not Kojak, K- Kolchak, the Night Stalker. And, like, literally every guest star, it's, like, an early paranormal show. Uh, it's kind of, like, what inspired uh, Chris Carter to make The X-Files. And it's Darren Morgan. Darren Morgan? Is that his name? Uh, fuck. Uh, uh, You've lost check me. That. Anyway, it's this char- it character actor. He was the dad in A Christmas Story. He's the lead in this show. And everyone who guest stars on this show is, like, well over 45. And you just go. God, they used to put like people on TV, and now it's just everyone's a soap opera star.
0: Darren McGavin. Darren
1: McGavin. Thank I just you. Looked Darren it up Morgan's a writer on the X Files. I knew that was wrong.
0: So this is what I I I know it's not like not everyone listening to this is an actor, but I do think this could be interesting for people because I think you can apply it to any business. Like somebody tweeted me the other day, um, something something about I was going on and on in some thread about something political and and it was like someone was like well I wouldn't expect you to understand cuz you're a millionaire now and it was like I am NOT and they were like but you're on Netflix and I was like aha so this notion that you know Chris Rock $20 million Dave Chappelle like the average person is not sitting there delineating between me and them I don't get how they don't automatically just know we're in a different category but to them if you're on Netflix they paid you millions and I'm like no so in other words Uh, I think it can be very disappointing for people. So let me give you an example, and then I'll ask you my question. I did this show in Pittsburgh last week, and the first time I played Pittsburgh a few years ago, sold out 400 people plus standing room, like blah, blah, blah. And that's like a good amount for me. And I was like, great. So I play the same venue again, thinking, well, of course, it's going to be the same amount of people or even more. And I've noticed over the past couple of years, like my numbers are just dropping. And so this year I had... Less than 100 people. It was, I lost money, and it was shocking. And to anyone listening who's new to me, there that's what it looks like sometimes. Sometimes I'm playing, thousands of people come and it sells out. It, I never know anymore. There's no guarantee. And that's my point. And the girl that was opening for me, I'm like, she sees what's happening. She opened for me four years ago. And she sees what's happening. And she was like, yeah, some of my friends wanted to come, but they couldn't afford the tickets. So, like, it's like, it's part i mean they're only 30 bucks but i guess that's a lot you know that's a lot
1: for a lot of people it is a
0: lot for a lot of people i try to put them on six months in advance so people can save it doesn't mean that's how they do their budget if i don't charge that i literally don't make a cent and this is the only thing i do for a living right now so i could charge less when i had other jobs oh i'm not blaming you oh no i know i'm i'm talking to the people that are going to tweet me um so anywho blah blah so she's like anyway i just wish i had your career and i'm like are you looking around? I'm like in a panic. Nobody's here. I'm bummed. I don't want to go on stage because there's not enough people, in my opinion, to make it fun. And she was like, I know, but your career is so great. I go, take off the glasses. Like, what are you seeing that you want? And she's like, just that you can tour and people come see you. I'm like, do you want to make money? She's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not making money tonight. And this might happen in 10 more cities this year. And then I'm like, it's really scary. I go, I used to make money doing this now i'm not really and i'm heartbroken cuz i i feel like i've never been funnier and Will i said you, do you want that and she was like no and i go this is what it looks like
1: <laughs> yeah but i yeah but i would say you're making you're not i would say you're in this situation you're yeah. making less money than you have in the past yeah it's not always going to be this way and also you have to remember that the people who are coming like her we're in show business they they get us filtered through Netflix, yeah, um, comedy. Your comedy special, uh, like the podcasts, they're getting. Ultimately, if we're doing our jobs right, they're getting the best of us. Yeah, in a in a digital package that's delivered to their laptops or you know their TVs. Yeah, periodically, you know, if not every month. Or that's why every I like week. to
0: do this so that they can know.
1: <laughs> well, no, but but even that is still like in podcast form. You know, at least for me, I'm someone who's listening to podcasts. Uh, I I think we. Well, I can't remember if we met. We met through Twitter, I think. But um, yeah, but but
0: when it used to be fun
1: and you I could know, fucking meet people fun. on Twitter, I can't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but uh, this feels like oh, I'm hanging out with a friend, you know. Yeah, and I'm they're relatable and you know I I understand where what I'm trying to say is I understand where she's coming
0: well, from. Well, I wanted her to understand that like. And I said the same thing to her. I go, could get better, could get worse, could get this. But I didn't reach a plateau where now it's smooth sailing. And I right. thought I had.
1: But why But why burst your own bubble? Why burst her bubble? Why well, pop that balloon? Why? Because she
0: was depressed that she wasn't where I was at. And I was trying to build her up. And I was saying this. I was like, let me tell you something. Where I'm at is right here. It yeah. could go higher. It could go lower. But where you're at is one viral video away from where I'm at. You can get. Ninety people in a room. Dream big. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can get she's that. She
1: stand up. Yeah. Oh, she was. And she has okay. an album,
0: and she's been torn. And oh, I'm like, great. Okay. So I was like, you, your career could be one second away from mine. I'm not. To her, like she didn't know the difference between like me and Amy Schumer. I'm Like, right. how do you not see
1: it? Like well, that's great. Yeah. That means you are doing something right. That people that that yes. you're inspiring co- comics coming up behind you. Yeah. It look. But
0: I, she said to me, she goes, "Thanks for being honest because." I she goes. I don't think I have the if I knew like, but I said. But don't listen to me. Like it could be anything. You could enjoy it. You could have. She was like, do I have to quit my job in order to do this? I was like, I wouldn't because you want to make some money. You know, whatever. Yeah. My whole point is, you know,
1: when you can quit your job, your yeah. Job.
0: And my whole point, and I thought I knew, and I did, and yeah. you know, was wrong. And I think that, like, maybe I maybe not. Maybe I, I'm not. Still say maybe not. You never know. But long story short, she was. I I explained to her that, like, these are the highs, these are the lows, and you're not so far away from me as you think in a good way, and hopefully, you know, whatever. So, I guess what I'm saying is, I know you've been on two shows, and so someone from the outside, like...
1: I've been on more than two shows. I know what you
0: mean, but, like, the two huge shows recently. right. And- Thank you. I know, I didn't mean to say two shows. No, 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 no. Go to his IMDb. Two week.
1: shows of people actually- Well, I i would argue people don't even watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but- Oh, and
0: also you were in Hot and Cleveland. But it's
1: very- uh, uh, It is a-, a It's a great show. The Everyone people who do watch, watch it love it. Everyone who listens show. to my
0: podcast should watch it. I mean, it gets real deep with psychological stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I would say, like- People might not know that you would still have to go in on on an audition. Oh, sure. I mean,
1: yes, absolutely. I mean, look,
0: we're both
1: in places in our career where careers where like, and I would say most people are. Yeah. You have to work to get your jobs. It is so the older I get, the more I'm in this business. I am realizing really how uh, how amazing it is to get to a place where you don't we're like you're working you just get offered stuff you know what i mean yeah and i haven't gotten to that point you know um and
0: i offered you this podcast yeah
1: well that's true um but it's it's also a a reminder that and this goes across the board for everybody And I think is really, really more relevant or like as relevant today as it's ever been is like you never know what people are dealing with in their own jobs, their own personal life, their own careers, because we live in a world where like it's all about putting up the fantasy Mm -hmm. version like. Instagram, Twitter, like, I just thought these things off the top of my head, or, like, look how great I look when I take, you know, I'm posting <laughs> to my, like, fucking cup of coffee. I mean, we literally have a president who is is a fraud. He lied about what? his entire business empire. I didn't know that. I know. <laughs> I imagine, the New York Times is reporting it right now. But, no, but, like, you yeah. look, like, I was just listening on the drive over to the, the Daily Podcast breakdown of, like, Trump's empire between eighty five and ninety five, when mm-hmm. he was at his fucking prime, when he's like in fucking Muppets Take Manhattan, you yeah, know and what he's I like
0: mean? broke, living on credit. He
1: lost one point two billion dollars, yeah, and it's all all his money was coming from his dad. You know, yeah. like he he wouldn't have been able to afford to do this, and you know, but he's projecting this image of like. I was a self-made billionaire, you know. Yeah. And there's just we are we are just so ego forward. Yeah. You know, right now in in society, and we are worrying about. But this is just a natural extension of what TV, film, actors, celebrity, all that shit is. Yeah. Um, I think it scares but, but, me. But think about how many. I mean, look at Marilyn Monroe. What a disaster, you know. <laughs> but like, as an icon, so classic, Yeah. But like. But, like, we're just talking about the fact that we live in a bullshit world and we live in a bullshit business. You know, we're working a bullshit business.
0: What's interesting in my one night. It's all about fronting. It's all about, you know. And as much as people say they don't want it, if I, if I act like, guys, I'm real worried about this show. Like, no one's coming. No one wants to come to that show. But if I'm like, there's like one ticket left, Hurry! and I'm totally lying, they're coming. Yeah. So you can't almost totally be honest. And I, 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 like, if I were Trump, I would be, well, I'm not him, so it wouldn't be like that. But if I were secretly losing all this money, but I'm on Muppet's Take Manhattan, I'm on The Apprentice, I'd be shitting myself going, <laughs> they don't know the real me. I can't take it. I hate not being known for the real me.
1: No, but that's why this guy is like a fucking genius, because he's not letting it make a dent in him. He's like, I know. fuck you, fake news. I'm a goddamn fucking business genius. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's the fucking president of the United States. We could
0: argue that he's secretly in a lot of pain, but I think he wouldn't be in pain unless he really stopped and had a brain. Like, I think he's too narcissistic to feel pain.
1: Right. Well... Again, welcome to the business. There's a lot of people who are too narcissistic. Well, do you know how many therapy sessions I've had where I'm
0: like, I wish I was that? And she's like, well, that's not what you come to therapy no.
1: for. No. No, no, no. I know. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I'm like, so teach me how to be I a thought, I, thought, I was like,
1: God, I wish I just had like a fucking impenetrable ego. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, look, it's, guys, breaking news. Like- <laughs> People have fucking problems.
0: Well, do you know what my favorite thing is? No that,
1: one's perfect.
0: That I learned a lot from was my one night with Winona Ryder. Is uh, I got, to, <laughs> I swear I got, I, I look, I look back on it Why so won't often. Why don't
1: you make that your next Netflix special? <laughs> one night with Winona Ryder.
0: She was my friend for like a whirlwind weekend. Like the texting oh, was off the rails. The, so many incomings. <laughs>
1: Isn't it so exciting? exciting It was so exciting. I might be friends with someone, with a celebrity, and then you just get... And then she moves on. But I
0: I knew I was in a whirlwind of excitement and that she would move on. She said her dad listens to this podcast. I don't know if he still does, but if you're listening, Mr. Horowitz, thanks. Um, But she was at the Drunk History premiere party for the episode that she and I did and this was, I don't know, six years ago, but way before Stranger Things. And we were talking and she was like, I have an audition. And I was like, you have an audition? And she was like, yeah. And I go, you're not offer only? She's like, well, I, no. And she's like, oh. And I I was like, oh. And she's like, people think of me as like a period actress only. Like I've done The Crucible and the this and the Little Women and the, and she's like, Welcome home Roxy
1: Carmichael.
0: And she's like, she wanted to do other stuff that wasn't that, but people couldn't see her another way. And she was like, I actually want to do TV. And I said, what kind of TV? And she's like, I don't think it's been invented yet. And I said, what do you mean? And she basically described, like, the way we do streaming now. She's like, I don't know, but it feels like a movie, but it's a TV series, you know, like something like that. I mean, we were on the verge of it, but... She was like, just something, but I know it's like, I'm not who I was 20 years ago, so I wouldn't be like the teenage lead, but I'm not, I don't want to have to put on a bonnet either. And then, wow. And then here comes stranger things. Yeah. And it's like, she wasn't not worried about stuff. She was talking about some stuff she was worried about. Yeah. And I was like, how is this happening? And it was so refreshing to me to be like, okay, so even she has this problem. And then what was so cool is the fact that she, I think, Part of the casting is probably the story of how cool is it that 20 years ago she would have been the lead teenager. Yeah. And now she's the mom. It's
1: throwback casting for sure. They do that on that show. But the thing that I think is really key to all that is that she had a very specific idea. Even though it hadn't been invented yet necessarily. (laughs) She had a specific idea of what it was that she wanted to do. Yeah. And I think like that is your goddamn lifeline. Yeah, in this business. And the times when I have felt the most hopeless in between jobs is when I didn't know specifically what I wanted. I mean, I think I've told you this story before. We've talked about it on my podcast because we talk about, you know, like in the world of the paranormal and the occult, there's like, you know, there's like the whole like chaos magic stuff that's like basically like what's behind hermetic the hermetic law of attraction and and like the 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 like Oprah Club version of like the secret you know yeah what I mean this idea of like willing if I want it it'll happen you know uh-huh. if I you know
0: what's the more real version of well that? the
1: more real version I, I mean I don't know I do think that there is sort of we we see it all the time in life we see it all the time in this town where you're like how fucking crazy I was just talking about this and then this opportunity came up. Like yeah. how crazy that when Nona Ryder was like I want this thing and then 2 years later or 3 years later it comes to be. Yeah. Um I think the real version of it is visualizing what it is w- being in touch, let's mm-hmm. say with specifically what makes you excited as an artist or whatever your work is, n- having a goal of what you want and then that keeps you alert, it keeps you on your feet, it keeps you um, driven, even when you're like not booking, not booking, not booking, because you go, I know I'm after something. Yeah. Right? And I do really think that if you have that in mind, f- I, some mysterious, I don't i don't know if I would call it magic, whatever it is, yeah. uh, it just, something where it, it doesn't always work out in the way that you think, but things start to line up. For example, when I first came out here, I was a huge Six Feet Under fan, and this is a story that I think I've told you, you know, I wanted to be uh, on Six Feet Under. Mm-hmm. And I, within three months, had gotten an audition, gotten into the room, gotten down to me and another actor for a recurring role on the show, met Alan Ball, read with Lauren Ambrose for a week like – It was like, it's him, it's you, we don't know, we're waiting to find out. I got a manager out of that situation, and then I ultimately didn't get the job, um, which I was crushed, Yeah, but, you know, this is when I'm like 23, 24, so I'm in that young (laughs) period of like, you know, that we're talking about, And but I I would say after that, when people would say, what do you want to do, I would say, I want to be on an HBO show created by Alan Ball. Oh, and I didn't know if it was six feet under. Yeah. Um, but um, weirdly enough, a few years later, I'm working on a show in Vancouver, and I, I'm in the same hotel with Peter Krause, who is the star of Six Feet Under. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, oh my god, and this is like right when the show's about to finish. I'm so still emotionally invested in the show. I love the writing, and the acting. And he was like one of my acting role models. And I'm sitting having dinner with him and a couple other actors, and he goes, hey, did you know that Alan Ball's going to do an, uh, a vampire show about vampires? That's kind of a cool choice for him. And uh, I went, no. And yeah. He's like, yeah. And I go, oh, whoa, that's cool. So how weird is yeah. it that I'm hearing about the next Alan Ball show from the lead of his own show? Right. Right in this like cool like kind of like you're like running in a Winona Rider thing. Yeah. So I had that in the back of my mind. True Blood airs and at the end of towards the end of the first season I'm I'm out of a job and uh because that show that I was working on was canceled. Really looking for the next thing. My friend happens to send me the breakdowns, casting breakdowns from the day before, mm. and this is the thing that agents get that actors don't usually get. Sometimes they can get. It's, it's like here are all the roles that are being cast right now. Yeah, and it's supposed to filter through the agencies and not come into the actors' hands. But every now and then, someone's yeah. got to name it. Someone Some who works to breakdown services and they'll be like, "Here you go," you know. And I saw on this sheet that random day. The role of Steve Newland was being cast. And I go, this is it. This I got to audition for this. And it was yesterday's breakdowns, yeah. which means the auditions have already gone out. Yep. I call my manager. I'm like, you got to get me in. She's like, I don't know. It says 40. You're a little young for this. And I'm like, get me in. Get me in for this. This is like a conservative Christian pastor. It's like it's got a small part this season, but will be a big part next season. Yeah. My agents are like, eh, we don't even know. This like the show hasn't even aired yet. Like, who knows? I'm like, no, no, no. I got it. I have to. Oh, uh, you in just for this. know when you know. Art. They call. They had a fight with the casting director. They finally were like, fine, we'll bring him in. I walked in. I read for everyone else. There was older than me. Read for Alan Ball twice. Mm-hmm. Get a call three hours later. You got the job.
0: Oh my God! No one gets a call three hours later. Yeah. You got the job.
1: And and it was just one of those things where okay, um, it's not. I wasn't necessarily employing any, like, magic there or, like, no. the secret. And there's plenty of shit that I've wanted in my life that I have not gotten. But I do think that having that specific mm-hmm. thing in mind triggered something to me like, this is it. This is the opportunity I've been looking for. And now I'm going to go into, like, activation mode to make sure yeah. this opportunity doesn't pass me by. But there, w- there was a little bit of weird... Magic involved for yes. lack of a better term that how odd that I heard about it from the the lead of that show that I love yeah, and then how odd that I just happened to get the breakdowns that day because yeah. if I didn't, if I hadn't have gotten that, yeah. I would have not been on that show.
0: I have a theory too, it's not even a theory but it's in order to be receiving that kind of magic so let's say you have your thing, you didn't get on Six Feet Under, that thing didn't work out okay now you can you know Band down the hatches, put on a dark hood, and be like, nothing works yeah. out," and you never would have been in that situation. Or manager goes, "No," and you go, "Okay, nothing's gonna work out." Yeah, you just kept pushing, and I think that, in a weird way, nobody ever thinks of magical things as anything but passive, and they're not right. passive; they're they're work, right? And but it's also at the same time. And I, when you were saying that, I was realizing, you know, the the place I'm in right now, although it's scary. What I'm doing is what I would say to anyone else. Like, wow, almost to a comical degree. Yeah. Everything I'm doing in the career I have known forever is not, like literally my publicist I pay is like, I don't know what's going on, but no one wants to talk to you. Like, I can't even get like a local newspaper to do a story about you coming to like Omaha. I'm not even kidding. And I laugh now. I go, this is funny because I'm being shown a message that it's time to regroup and redirect. And I'm excited because I have no fucking idea what it's going to be.
1: Well, and this is why, think about the way that we're talking about this. It's so difficult because we don't really have the vocabulary for whatever forces here are at work that help us with this stuff. Yeah. Skeptics would say, you got lucky, or it's a coincidence. Religious people would say, God was watching out for you. Yeah. You know, me somewhere in an agnostic, but still sort of attracted to the occult and the strange and the mystical. I call it a magic, you know, magic. Yeah. It's very, or, you know, some people would say the universe. Alignment, yeah. We don't live in a society where, where we have vocabulary for what these phenomena what this weird phenomenon is you know you know there's ebbs and flows to everybody's career I think like it's clear like when I'm on a show and the show is airing and the show is popular I get more work opportunities that's very easy to understand yeah yeah you're you're on TV you're you're relevant people who are casting things are watching the thing you're on and they're like oh we should bring that guy in you know and then you just go through these little pockets where you're like god nothing's really you know yeah i'm not i'm not as relevant as i was a month ago or two months yeah. ago and i'm heading into one of those periods right now with the show ending you know i'm going to yeah. be sort of dark you know what i mean yeah. it's like i'm not unless i'm that's why i have the podcast to kind of keep my creative juices flowing and to keep myself out there Yeah. everyone has instagram to help them do this now i am terrible at that shit i don't you know like i don't know how to like, you know, make myself look like hot on, <laughs> in a selfie or whatever. Oh, you go for, portrait mode yeah. up and over. Yeah, I don't. I don't even have a portrait mode on this phone. I gotta see. I gotta. See? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it right. You're
0: gonna fail unless you get the iPhone I know.
1: 10. Yeah, exactly. That's the real message here. I know we want to talk about being in our 40s. Well, no. But- wait. Uh,
0: well, no, no. This is perfect. I just wanted to go where it goes because I don't think this is necessarily something I embraced in my 20s.
1: No, I think I because I think in when you're in your twenties, you're so distracted by every experience you're happening is fucking new, yeah. And that it all feels so exciting, like oh my gosh, my first time I'm going to like New York City by myself, or like I'm going out on a date, or like you know, you know, yeah. what whatever it is, you're so excited by being like I get to call the shots, you know, yeah. That um, unless you are just really thrown into, I mean, at least in my. You know, being an actor and stuff, unless, you know, I ha- was having a very exciting, you know, tw- my 20s were very like every day there was something new happening. Every yeah. uh, Everything felt like a new opportunity. Um, so I think you're so distracted and excited by that. and You're also still wrapped up in like you're still figuring out like uh, you're still weeding out. And I would argue most affected by the toxic friends in your life that have carried over from high school or college. Oh, I forgot college. about that.
0: You haven't met the new you real felt, people. You haven't
1: felt, you're, you're like, oh, why is this? like, people start to really, like, show their true nature in the real world. I remember being so heartbroken by so many friendships in my 20s. I didn't even realize you could like, meet new people in yeah. your 30s. Yeah, and then you start to do that, and you're like, oh, fuck, this is cool. I'm actually meeting new Or 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 your old friendships from, like, it was my mid-20s when, like, my childhood best friend, who I never really lost touch with, really started to reemerge and come visit me out here in L.A. And we really reconnected. And I was like, oh, God, yeah. All the cool people, all the people that aren't fucking assholes or who don't want to dick me over or who aren't jealous by where I am in the business versus where they are. Yeah. And, by the way, that always changes. Um those people are, those people really emerge in your mid to late 20s. And yeah. And you start to go, oh, fuck, I've been dating the wrong people, I've been fucking the wrong people, I've been hanging out with the wrong people. Um, <laughs> but these people are consistently cool. Yeah. And these people, I think, will be around in, in, for the rest of my life, hopefully. You know but what I mean?
0: My teenage friends, my two friends since childhood, um, they were allowed to do whatever they wanted. Their parents were, in quotes, cooler than mine, blah, 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 blah. And we were all having dinner a few months ago and they married with kids, blah, blah, blah. And they both have anxiety and panic attacks, which are, I thought, new. Like, so we talked last year about it. I was like, how's everyone's update? Oh, this one's on Zoloft now, this one, this. And they're like, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. You know, blah, blah. They're in therapy. They're doing this. And I was like, you know, it can come later in life. And they're like, no, we've had it since we were 18. I was like, what? I was like, I had panic and anxiety. I didn't tell you guys. I assumed you guys didn't. And we all were hiding it from each other. And 20 years later, we're having an honest conversation. And it was like, it was that same feeling again that I had talking to that comedian. I felt like we were 12 years old sitting together. It was like the older you get and there is something about the younger you get, which I think leads to the sense. Sometimes it can be very bittersweet, I'm like that's not fair. I'm just figuring right. it out, but now I have arthritis. Right,
1: and uh, right, <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's um being in my forties.
0: That's right. Embrace it.
1: I actually feel like ah, uh, this has been. A more calming transition than than heading into thirty for sure. 100 percent. Everybody was like thirties when it really mellows out, and I think like 30, <laughs> I think it ramps my thirties was really ramped, really ramped up for yeah. me. Uh, and now I'm at a stage where like I'm kind of like, all right, I I I'm still carrying. You know, I still have to deal with anxiety. I still have to deal with like mild depression coming in and out of my life. I'm obviously. You know, I would say I am not where I want to be or where I wanted to be in my career when I started 17 years ago. You know, I thought, if you're still auditioning at 40, you need to rethink shit.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's, again,
1: there's that, like, you idiot, you don't really know what you're talking (laughs) about. And also just felt so far away, you know, felt so far down the road.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: it goes by so fucking fast. And here I am. And I'm like, you know, for the most part, I'm still who I was when I was 23. I do feel like I'm a better version of myself. I've lost a couple things that I would like to regain. Um you know, I feel more tired than I did then. so yeah. I, and, and I do think <laughs> like, you know, I struggle with like, um, I'm so, I'm a h- habitual person. I deal with ha- good habits and bad habits. Oh, and yeah. And so there's some things where I'm like, you, you kind of got to break this bad habit. You said something earlier where you're like, you keep, you mentioned, made reference to like, why do people still try to try to practice things that didn't really work for them 10 15 years ago? Yeah. And when you hit your 40s you kind of go, yeah, that this is I'm realizing this concept or this voice in my head or this thing's never really worked for me yeah. and I've got to change that. Yeah. You know, um I had this preconceit. I don't think I've ever talked about this. I remember like I was in I was like 23 or 24. And I was like doodling in my sketchbook and I had this like drew this picture of this like little robot and then this this logo around him kind of like I'm a comic book nerd of this um kind of like comic book font that said Transformation Monday. And I was just like doodling and I was like oh, I was probably a little stoned and I came up with this like yeah I should have like a Transformation Monday like. I'll wake up one Monday morning and I'll be like, "All right, now I'm just gonna be a fucking badass. Like I'm gonna go to the gym every day. I'm gonna eat amazing. I'm gonna like be my perfect self." And it was like I didn't realize it at this time, but that was sort of like this weird anxiety game that I started playing with myself. Oh, right, like where I all would or nothing set, Monday. Yeah, yeah, where I would set up this expectation. And I carried this without realizing it, just from fucking doodling in my sketchbook when I was stoned. Like, I started to go, all right, well, Monday, Monday, I'm going to begin the perfection process.
0: I still do this. My Sunday night list. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Fuck yes. And then I would go. And it's so funny because as an actor, I don't have a nine to five job. Like, what the fuck does it matter if I start on a Monday or a Thursday or whatever? I don't know. But this idea of then I would create this cycle in my head where I'd be like, "Well, fuck! It's Friday, and I only went to the gym three times this week. I still got a spare tire. Fuck it! I'm gonna do what I want this weekend, and then on Monday, yes, I'm gonna. And then you don't do it, and then you just get in the. I live in that sometimes. So I struggle with this false concept of transformation money that I carried with me for years. Yes. And then I still do on larger scales. You know, yeah. I'll still go, all right, well, this week's kind of rough, but I'll get, you know what, I'm gonna let myself just kind of, you know, whatever. And then when I get back from New York next week, I'll start, I'll I'll throw up a fresh coat of paint then. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm just coming to the thing where I realize 15 fucking years later, Transformation Monday has never fucking happened. It's never comes. It's never going to come. It's never going to happen. What what might be nice is just, like, gradual baby steps Wednesday. Like, just... Totally. I should name
0: that this. Just
1: start the process of and that's what therapy is too like you go into therapy you're like oh boy i'm afraid i'm gonna people who are scared of therapy they're like oh boy i'm gonna go in there and they're gonna get in my head and it's yeah like, all no, the secrets are gonna yeah, come out and it then, takes forever and oh my gosh i don't you know i'm gonna have to say this and i'm gonna have to say that and i'm and it's like nah, it's just kind of like it all comes out gradually and now i look back yeah. and i go instead of setting up this idea of like and this probably comes from, like, too many fucking comic books where, like, Spider-Man's bitten by a spider one day, Peter Parker, and then suddenly his, like, you know, all his problems are solved. Although that's, if I'd read the comic book closely, that's clearly not
0: the that's case. That's where they began, his you life fool. Got worse. I don't even know that much yeah, about Yeah, his books.
1: life got worse when he became Spider-Man. Yeah. But this idea of, like... The idealized version of myself is just going to happen one day. Yeah. It doesn't. It's never – no. And we're continually evolving. Yeah. And I think that for me in my 40s is going, all right, I may not be the idealized version of myself, but hopefully I've weeded out some of the bad habits. I've weeded out some of the negative voices in my head. They're never going to go away completely, but I do have to respond to that voice in my head uh, by saying, you know what, I appreciate that this – that this bully in my head began as a way of self protection and now it is it's grown over years of being a negative voice. Yes. And it wanted the best for me, which is why it said you can't do that, you're gonna fail, or you can't do this, you're ugly, or you know, yeah. like, don't ask out her, she's gonna hate you, or you're you know, yeah. good luck on this fucking audition, you'll never get it. You know, that kind of it's a, it comes from a place of self preservation. Yeah. And self-protection. And then you just have to I, – I think it was this – I do – I think if anything has happened to me at 40 is that I realized that that's where that negative voice in, in me comes from. And I have to go, hey, thank you for your job. Yes. Thank you for helping me.
0: Time to thank retire. Thank you for
1: looking out for me. Yeah. But I've I've got it. You yeah. Know? And
0: – I am just – oh, should we – I'm just yeah. starting to do that stuff now where – uh you don't even have to have the new voices to replace it it does come quite naturally oh shit we gotta go um to yes it's yeah. it's it's firing the the old people the old guard and especially people in their 20s who are always writing in for advice you're probably using tools that you learned as a teenager which is like would you dress younger, the same that you did at 10 or, or even yeah. younger
1: four or five you yeah develop these like protective like you know
0: yeah so it's like that's. It sounds. It feels so grown up to think negatively, but it's actually not. It's a child. My therapist was saying toddlers. No matter what, when you give them something, they're even if they want it, their reaction first is nay, because they're just. I don't know what the point was. Of no, I get it. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um. Anyway, all right. We have to wrap up. We're in the big <laughs> studio. Um. Now my point is, thank you for the advice. The life experience you have given my listeners. You to me are younger than you've ever been. Thanks. My
1: knee doesn't. <laughs> feel Except like that you it. just got winded from stretching, <laughs> so I take that back.
0: <laughs> you just leaned back and yeah. then couldn't breathe. Please, everyone, subscribe and listen to Bigfoot Collectors, Bigfoot Collectors Club, Club podcast. You. And um, I, I, you said something great a minute ago, and I was going to quote it as an outro, but I forget what it was. Oh. This is- Transformation okay. Oh, okay. Monday is never coming, Occasional people. Baby
1: Steps Wednesday, was that it's, what it was?
0: Yes, it's all about gradual occasional. Gradual Baby
1: Steps Wednesday.
0: Gradual Baby Steps Wednesday. Until next week, have fun.